Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. All right. Best three to five-ish minutes of your life. All right. So I'm really, I'm really excited about this talk because I had a friend, a mentor, when we, before we planted the church in 2015, um, a guy named Jeff Heidkamp, who was a pastor, now he's an immigration lawyer, um, and he gave a talk on sobriety during COVID. Does anyone remember that by chance? It was, um, because of that talk, there was three to four people that I'm aware of that reached out um, to connect with Jeff and are still sober, and so that is awesome. So whenever I think about Jeff, I think of my friends. Um, but here's what Jeff told me before we planted. He goes, Chris, in February, everyone's depressed already. So just talk about happy things. Maybe read Psalm 23, something about light, blah, 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 blah. He goes, you wait till the middle of July to talk about something that's going to like kind of kick the hornet's nest because everyone's just waiting for you to get done so they can go outside and go to the lake or be on the beach and they just are happy. So um, it's the middle of July, so buckle up. So before I, before I bring this up, and I think this is a good disclaimer, um, if you go to our website, we have something that says, like, what we believe. It's, it's kind of like our, would be our church doctrine, if that word doesn't, like, you know, trigger you. And we only have th- three, maybe four, and we do that intentionally, that we're never going to be the kind of community that says to get the best of this community, you have to um, adhere to these 28 statements of faith, and you have to... Uh, practice this, you have to worship like this, uh, because then you're fun, funny, then when you do that, you're kind of just like including the people that you already like, and saying, if you want the best of this, come be like us, and I think the best of God is already in you, and we're trying to inspire and awaken one another to that reality that the goodness has always been there, and so if there's infinite expressions of God, right, which I believe, means that what, what you Carly believes or experiences what I experience could be different. It doesn't mean one is better or the other. If the end is love, if the receipts are love, that's all that matters, right? And so if we have infinite expressions of God, we should have very different ways of seeing. And like when I was 15, to in my 20s, when I had kids, when we uh, started Neighborhood Church um, and through some trauma, funny, how I th- thanks, Rosa. <laughs> how how I went through those things shaped and evolved how I saw and experienced God, right? And there's there's this weird thing of when it comes to science or politics or health or parenting or raising a dog, whatever it might be, we can evolve with those things. Um, but somehow, some people taught a bunch of people saying when in spirituality, it's a fixed state of mind. Once you learn this, this is the truth, turn off your brain, this is all you know. And in my experience, um, if that helps you, that's, that's, that's good. But for me, this kingdom of God is this wildly expansive place. And I'm so thankful for curiosity and ingenuity of where I'm, I'm experiencing something wider of God. So I'm saying that is my goal in this talk is to not convince you to be something or do something, Right? Um, you might disagree with me, and I love that, right? You might agree with me. You might not even listen to anything I'm saying, and that's okay, right? What I want to do is help us like, like be able to pull out this belief, this idea, and then be able to process why do I agree with that or why do I disagree with that, 
Does that make sense? Okay. So um, the subject, which I'm still going to delay on because that's what a preacher does, is this. It came up, I was uh, hanging out with one of my friends, and my friend is 18 years older than me. And so he has all adult kids. Um, he, we worked together at the vineyard for a little bit. He was a, a worship pastor uh, in the 80s. And if you know anything about um, evangelicalism in the 80s, it, that is wild, all right? Especially the charismatic movement. And he had long hair. And I make him tell me the story about once every year where he would uh, do, like, leg kicks for Jesus. He'd be, like, playing worship, and he'd flip his hair, and then he'd be like, Jesus! And, <laughs> and I've been trying to get Nikki to do it every week, and she won't do it. Um, gosh. Okay, enough on leg kicks. And so we get together probably every three to five months at the Borea House, one of my favorite places here in, in West Duluth. Um, and we talk about spirituality. And we are in different places, but not vastly different places, where we can process and share thoughts and encourage one another. And then, if you don't know me, I love talking politics. Yep, I'm one of those people. So, love it. Um, And me and my friend, we couldn't be further away politically from one another. And he's actually my only, like, really good friend. Um, He's not a Republican. He'll tell you that, right? He says, I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative, and I was all happy for you. So he's my only friend that is a conservative that, um, it's not my only, yeah, well, probably, all right? (laughs) And I love getting together with him because we can share and process, instead of hearing these talking heads on TV or some op-ed, right? And funny how my circle of influence is mostly going to be people who think and vote like me. And so my friend is the, my opportunity to go to him and say, Hey, talk to me about this. Why, why are conservatives making this a priority over these three things? Why, why is it they're fighting this? And we don't get in arguments, right? We can get heated. We might mock each other once in a while, but our goal isn't to convert. Our goal isn't to um, recruit them to our side. Our goal is that we're going to hear each other, and because I know he's not going to bail on me because I have an idea about women's health care or whatever it might be, um, the end result is love. And I really, really like it. So my last talk about two months ago, um, he, we were talking about the current president, former president, and some of the things that are happening politically and in the courts and how that might shape the election, how it might shape uh, policies coming from the Senate and from the House. And he said, you know, Chris, <laughs> you know what, Chris, I take the Paul's letter very seriously and that we're supposed to pray for our government leaders. And I'm like, okay. Which ones? You know, exactly. And this is my running bit. I'm like, do you know your city council members? Do you pray for them? What about the, like, the water commissioner? You know, the, your county commissioner has a lot of influence. You pray for them. And then he just rolls his eyes. Um, and, he, and he goes, I've been praying for our president that God would change his heart. I really believe that change his heart, funny to line up with his ideology, right? His, his political ideology. And that's fine. He goes, um, and I asked God that would like, change his heart, change their policies. And then I said, I'm like, wow, that's great. Wow, what a wonderful thing. Man, I bet God was upstairs in heaven, right? Probably watching Game of Thrones the last season, realizes the last two episodes aren't that good, right? And all of a sudden he hears this prayer, and he's like, what? What is going on down there? Oh, friend, thank you for reminding me. I wasn't going to come down there. Clearly, I'm going to come down there and take care of some stuff, right? Um, and then he said, he goes, Chris, are you mocking me? And I'm like, 
I think I was. That was not my intent. But I totally was mocking you, and I apologize. Um, and he said, Chris, do you believe that prayer can, like, have an influence on God? Do you think prayer can alter God's mind and decision? And I said, possibly, but not like what you're talking about. And he said, well, you're a heretic. I said, get in line. Here's my number. <laughs> um, and he goes, why then even pray? And, I, and we talked about it, and I'm like, this would be a great middle of July talk. Why in the world would we ever pray? What does prayer actually do? All right? I love this. So there's gonna be, I'm going to give you like several different ways of thinking about this. And again, one is not right or wrong. I have a preference in one, right? And so um, let's say we'll take this scenario. You're driving around the block, and you really need a parking spot. And so you pray, God, I need a parking spot. Let's, let's be vulnerable. Who here has ever prayed for a parking spot before? All right, me too, me too, all right? Uh, or maybe you're going into a business meeting or a work meeting, and you didn't do your job because, like, you left for, like, three hours every day and no one noticed. And in the business meeting, you're like, oh, God, please don't let them bring this up, please. Or like me in junior high, and I was playing baseball, and if the game was close, I was playing first base, and I'd stand like this, and i say, oh, God, please don't let them hit it to me. Please, <laughs> please, right? And so you pull up, and there's the parking spot. You get out of the meeting, no one noticed. Uh, the ball was hit to Dan Jones instead of me, and he drops it, and we all make fun of him instead of me, right? And what do you say? Praise God in the tabernacles, said no one ever. But you're going to say like, yeah, God, thank you. Answer my prayer. Woo, and you're, you're all jacked up, right? Well, let's say you come to the parking spot and someone took it, right? What do you say? You're going to blame one of two things. You're going to blame the devil, right? And the devil's like taking all the parking spots. Ah, I'm the devil. No one gets to work, right? Um, <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Um, and, or secondly, if you, the parking spot's taken or the business meeting gets brought up or they hit the ball to you, right, you're going to say, wow, God's ways are higher than my ways. Who am I to question the mind of God and the will of God? God must be teaching me a lesson, and I just need to let go and let God, right? Because all things are leading to the greater good. So God, thank you for teaching me this valuable lesson. And it's true, right? You might actually walk away with, like, God wants me more uh, humility, promptness, whatever it might be. But here's the thing. The, w- the way we think about God, that theological way, right, and the way you pray and how you respond, for me, has to play all the way out. Conveniently, theological concepts can um, only work for a privileged group of people. And funny how that works. You can have a theological idea or a system of beliefs that just perpetuate the current power that you already have. And anything that falls outside of that saying, well, if you believe that, then what about this? And they're like, you're a heretic. Leave us alone, right? So for me, it has to play it all the way out. So let's play it out. Instead of a parking spot, and you have the privilege of that your needs that you're praying for are a parking spot. Let's say your best friend has cancer, and they have months to live. And so you pray every day. Multiple times a day, God, heal my best friend. And God doesn't heal your friend. Instead, they die. And you're at the funeral, and the pastor walks up to you and says, "Um, Hey, Chris, I know you've been praying for your best friend. I know they knew that you loved them. And I love that you got a bunch of people to pray with you. That was really good. But, Chris, 
who are we to question the mind of God? You know what, Chris? God's ways are higher than our ways. And maybe you need to let go and let God, because maybe God is trying to teach you a lesson. And someday down the road, you're going to look back, and you're going to smile, and you're going to have this awakening of God taught you this valuable lesson by the death of your friend. We would say that is what? Evil. Ugh, is the right answer, right? Barf city, right? Yeah, right? You'd say that person might even be a monster. But I've heard this at funerals all the time. Man, God needed another angel, took your grandpa, right? Took your friend. God needed an angel. And the idea of God being so egocentric that he needed to kill that person's grandpa because God wanted him instead of maybe God would want him to be with me on my graduation of high school, right? And why do we say those things? Because we, A, don't know how to deal with grief. That's number one. And B, we have a theological concept of God that doesn't always make sense, right? And what you believe about God matters. I try saying that all the time. The way you think about God matters because the way you think about God is going to inform and shape how you show up in a room. The way you think about God is going to shape how you pray and why you pray and what you are praying directly, right? And all theology, if, you're, if anyone here ever takes notes or you just, or just pretend that you are to make me feel better, all right, um, write this one down and put it somewhere where you're going to see it. All theology is public. All theology is public. Don't talk, I mean, I love having concepts about theology and God. Theology is just what you think about God. It's God talk, let's say that, right? Um, I like reading about theology. I like listening to podcasts about theology. But all that matters is what you do. What you say and what you do, that's your theology. Example, um, I belong to a denomination that said um, everybody gets to play. Love that idea. They put it everywhere. And all across the world they have this these words on their website, everybody gets to play. So let's say you show up to that church and you hear they're like, oh, I have a body. I get to play. Yay. Right? And playing for everybody could be give money. You want to play? Give money. We'll always take it. Right? You want to play? Um, make some friends. You want to play? Let your kids get in the youth group and make some really lifelong friendships. You want to play? Serve in the coffee bar or serve at the soundboard. Serve somewhere in the back where people don't always see you. And that's okay. Um, and so you find all this inspiration, and you see it on their website, all are welcome, everybody gets to play, and your kid, who's trans, right, found the person that they love, and they said, oh, pastor, will you marry us? And they say, ooh, actually, it's not everybody gets to play, just somebody's get to play. You probably should have tried harder, right? This happens of a kid or a college student saying, I want to be a pastor like you. You inspired me. I want to be just like you. And that pastor would have to say, your body doesn't belong up here. Your body can be down here, but it can't be up here. I'm sorry. Right? So what they say in their theological statements, all are welcome. What they practically do, drastically different. Right? And I say that because um, in this view over here about the parking spot, is this concept about prayer, is this belief that God is all-powerful, right? God is all-powerful. You guys ever heard the, the, the philosophical question, could God create a rock so big that even she couldn't lift it, right? So God is all-powerful. 
God is all-knowing. God knows absolutely everything in this universe, backwards and forwards, right? He's up there and knows everything. And three, God is all-loving. And that's the most important part. The problem is, all three of those things can't be true at the same time, right? And this is one of those things that not everyone thinks about, except maybe nerds like me. Maybe, well, I called you a nerd, Carolyn. But maybe nerds like Carolyn and I, all right, think about it. Because in this way of praying for the parking spot, you might use the word, God opened a door. God has active agency to choose what to do and what not to do. My friend praying for that government leader, for the president, is saying, God, will you change his mind? That is a belief that God knows what's happening. God has the power to do it because he loves them. It happens. But let's say God opened that door for me to get that job. That feels good to say, and it feels really good to believe, and I have no problem with that. But then are you saying the other 60 applicants, God shut the door on them? So one benefits, uh, the idea of praying for your best friend who had cancer, right? And God maybe heals them. And you're like, thank you, God. Does that mean God chose not to heal all the other people who had cancer? Because if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, then why does God choose not to use that power and only use it on some? I had a a pastor friend of mine that did a, a panel discussion on prayer, and he said, Every need or request is like a, a, a cup, right? And you have a, a small need, like a parking spot, and you pray. Every time you pray, it's like a drop of water goes in there. And every time you pray, it fills up. And once it overflows, then that's the blessing or that's the answer. That's the God meeting that need. And the bigger the need, the bigger the bowl. And I, at the time, I thought that was really inspiring. So if we're praying for climate change, that's going to be a big, well, to not have climate change. I'm not praying for climate change. Oh, God, let it get hotter. Please let it get hotter. Um, you're praying for um, maybe gun reform because of uh, mass shootings. Whatever it might be. The bigger the ask, the bigger the bull, which means you get more and more people praying. And once you fill it up, and it, for me for a while, it was really inspiring. It really was. Um, but there's a problem with that. That's still a God that's standing back and saying, better fill that bowl up, son. Right? You better get on it. Ah, my hands are tied. I can't do that. Are you kidding? Wait till that fills up. Then I'll come on down there, right? That is not a loving God. If God has choice and chooses to not stop the mudslide going towards that village, if God has choice and there's still kids that go hungry every night, if God has a choice, right? I love talking about this. Aren't you glad we're talking about this, right? So what are we supposed to do then? What's another way of thinking about what prayer or thinking about who God might be? Um, There is this um, theological um, concept called open and relational theology and process theology, and they're very similar with some nuance, yes. Um, And in the most basic of terms, um, this is what how I see it, right? Process theology and open relational theology would say, um, baked into all creation, God is at the core of it. And every element of energy, every neutron and other things (laughs) that go with neutrons, right? Electron. Um, At the core of every element of energy, God is there. So there's two words. I'm giving you guys some banger of words. There's pantheism and panetheism. Pantheism, Carly, is that all things are God. This chair is God. My mom is God. This cup is God. I don't hold that to be true. Panetheism 
is that God is in all things. God is in me, my mom, Valdez, this chair, this glass. If that's true, if we can just play that out, if that is true, then that means every single thing in this world belongs to one another, right? Because if Hannah, if, the, if she is fearfully and wonderfully made and at the core of her is a divine, then when I am welcoming her, I am welcoming the Christ. If I'm going through the checkout line, I am engaging with the Christ in that person, which radically changes how you show up in a room, right? Because in some ways of thinking, I keep going this way when I'm talking about more conservative ideas. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, uh, but in this way of thinking, there's a lot of spiritual communities that say, you will get the best of God, will treat you like a, citizen, uh, a, a first-class citizen if you say this prayer, if you hold this belief, if you sing this song. In a lot of churches, if you have the same color skin or you think about sexuality and blah, 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 right? But that means you're creating tiers of citizens, right? And what I believe, if God is at the core of all things, then you've always been included. You've always been good and beautiful. You have always been like uh, a present in the kingdom of God, right? You've always been sacred. We're just awakening to that reality now, right? You've always been good. You don't have to say a prayer. You don't have to jump some line in order to be good. You've always been there. And that shapes how we show up. It shapes how we pray. It shapes how we move in this world. And so um, if everything belongs, then we are in process and we're in relationship with all things. If God is, um, even with Packer fans, when I engage with Packer fans, I'm engaging with God. If I'm in Jay Cook State Park and it's me with my own thoughts, I'm engaging with the living God in the sounds of those birds and the tree and the water. We're always at home, which means there's infinite possibilities to experience and to know and learn and experience God. The whole world is our house. And if everything belongs, then we are all deeply, deeply connected, right? Connected with God, connected with ourselves, connected with each other, connected hopefully with the earth, right? Connected with our businesses, our leadership, our art, our inspiration, our comedy. Everything is connected. And that changes how you pray and why you pray. Example, um, let's say uh, there's another mass shooting. And what do people do? They go on Twitter, they go on Facebook, and the, the hashtag they'll use is thoughts and prayers, right? And that's good. Every time it happens, I do pray. I do pray. And so a way of praying, maybe on this side, if God is all-knowing, all-powerful, is God, will you do something about this problem? God, will you do something about gun reform? Will you do something about violence or mental health? Whatever it is, the, the side of the issue you talk but what you're doing is saying, well, God's all-knowing, all-powerful, and loving, so you do it. Why? Because I don't know what to do. Actually, if I do anything about it, I might lose friends. I'll get attacked online. People are going to call me a bleeding-heart liberal or a card-carrying conservative, whatever it might be, right? And so we know that. You, you would lose business. If Mary brought something up, she, well, you probably already have lost business, right? <laughs> Knowing you. So um, uh, it's going to cost you something. So you step back. And you let go, and you let God over here in process. If God is in all things, and we say, God, will you please do something about this? I imagine what God might say is, yeah, yeah, one problem. I don't have a social media account, right? 
I know it's kind of embarrassing. I'm all these things in heaven. What am I missing? An email. Oh, man. Right, my bad. Blame the devil. So, um, um, but you know who has an email? Hey, Chris, you do. You know who has feet and can show up to a school board meeting and a city council meeting? You know who might, might start a, like a rally? You know who might fundraise? You know who might reach out to their senator? Hey, Chris, I'm pretty sure you have access to all those things. I imagine that God doesn't want anyone to sleep um, outside in February, right? And yet we have a lot of people in the Twin Ports that do, right? So you, you pray, God, will you please end homelessness in the winter? And God might say, hey, again, I don't have any warehouses, right? But um, I imagine you or maybe your friends or business partners do, and maybe you guys could organize and find, you know, some housing for people. And I imagine you could do that. In process and operational, when we're praying, we are collaborating with God. And what does God always want? God wants love always. Why? Because that's who God is. God is always prompting and inviting us uh, into the kingdom of God. Let's use that word. Or into heaven where there's justice, inclusion, generosity, humbleness, meekness, right? All those things are always there. So we don't have to pray and say, what is the heart of God? When I pray, what I am praying is saying, God, I have this need and I'm putting it out there. When I pray for my kids, my kid is a senior this year, and I'm just having feelings about it for whatever reason, right? And I was at a, a, a restaurant that we take them when they're kids, and I looked around. Oh, I'm going to cry right now. And I looked around. I'm like, my kid used to eat cheeseburgers here, right? And I'm like, Ugh. and people are like, are you okay? <laughs> um, so when I pray for my son, I am praying not for God to magically do something. I'm saying, God, I am being honest and vulnerable. I have some feelings that I love my son. Did we do a good enough job? Is he ready to go off in the world? Right? And not waiting for God to come back to me saying, well, Chris, I'm glad you asked. I got some things I want to say to you. Right? Right? What does God want? Love, inclusion, justice. God wants my son to be his fullest self. God wants you to be your full self. God wants that blade of grass, that tree, that mountain, that sun, the stars, all of it to be its fullest self. So when I pray, I am collaborating, I'm in process, I'm in relationship with God to actually make that happen. But here's the problem. God can't make that mudslide stop. God can't, right? Just magically say, nah, you got cancer, but you don't need it anymore. Yank it out. Right? I don't believe God chooses to do that. I think God always wants healing. I think God always wants healthy relationships. And so one way of viewing it, let's go back over here, is people say, well, we're in a fallen world. There's sin. And I absolutely do believe in sin. But even that way is saying we're blaming, if you take the Bible literally, then we're taking and blaming, really blaming Eve, because that's what patriarchy does is blame the women, right? <laughs> um, imagine that. Um, and we were still blaming two people who, one person who ate an apple, then disrupted all of billions, or if you're young earth, thousands of years. We're still saying we're blaming something else, and God's hands are tied. That is not all-knowing. That is not all-powerful, right? When I pray, I am partnering with God because I believe God in real time is experiencing all this world with us. God is learning and moving and being inspired with us and inspiring us to do the same. So, Chris, why are you talking about this? Here's why. The way you think about God matters. And I do believe the way we pray matters. 
I take prayer seriously. I happen to be a professional. <laughs> Joking. All right? I, my dad's going to tell the story to everyone after this. In college, in Life of Prayer, a real class, I got a D. All right? So I, got, I'm, I failed prayer, essentially. But I'm back, baby. I am... Um, I take prayer seriously. When people ask me to pray for them, I do it, right? I, I can think of three students probably 15 years ago talking about something that they wanted prayer for. And any, every time I think about them or see them on social media, I stop and I pray for them because I believe prayer works. The reason I'm bringing this up is I want to be a community or a people of prayer, which if you're an ex-evangelical, that is a trigger word. People of prayer, all right? But I believe it. And what we're praying for is not for God to do something that we can distance ourselves from, but we can be aware of the needs in our body, in our homes, in our businesses, in our counties, in our neighborhoods, maybe even in our country. And when we pray, we can be inspired to do something. Because don't tell me what you think about God. Show me. Right? Let's don't have ideas about God. Let's do the stuff that God is inviting us to do. So I'm going to pray, um, and I still believe, believe in prayer, right? <laughs> um, and I'd love to have you join me, but what I'm inviting you is after, if you have questions, or you have concerns, or you want to be getting live of the call me a heretic line, all of that counts and all of it matters, right? And I'm going to hold like a little small group up here, because imagine if you do have questions, there's probably other people that have the same questions, and we'll take however long it talks to process and... Um, talk about what God can do and what God maybe can't do. So let's pray. So God, I thank you that you are um, in all things. And there isn't some magic trick, there isn't some statement, there isn't some thing we have to do or be or not do and be to then let you come in and bring that regeneration to bring that life. That life and that spirit, that power, that love, that energy has always been there. So I pray for my friends who don't feel that currently. I pray for my friends who are having a uh, hard, rough experience of life this day. I ask God that they would awaken to that reality that in the grief, in the pain, in the joy, in the boredom, you are always there. So God, would you rise up in us? And I ask that we can be a people of prayer, meaning that we can be aware and awake to the realities of racism, of violence, of poverty, of hunger, of exclusion, and a host of other things, that we can be aware of it, and we can actually move from thinking about it to praying about it to being a part of the solution because we know that your heart is inclusion in love. And wherever love is, there's heaven. And we love you. Amen. All right, thank you, friends, and have a good rest of your weekend.